Thank you for tuning in today. And um, we're going to continue on in our study in the book of James. And we're going to be in James chapter 5 this morning. So if you have your scripture and want to turn there, just go ahead and do that now. You know, you think about, think back to your childhood. And, um, you know, when you were a kid, did you ever try to convince somebody that you were really <laughs> telling the truth? Um, did you ever say something like, you know, I swear to God, or uh, maybe, how about this one? I, I swear on a stack of Bibles. I mean, you said it, I said it, I'm sure we all said it at some point. Or how about this one? Cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. Uh, I said that a few times. You know, promising things and wanting people to believe uh, that we were really telling the truth uh, sometimes demanded that we swear because they were not used to us telling the truth. And we wanted them to totally believe what we were saying. And, and all of that kind of swearing and, and giving oaths is, is really a device that, that humanity has, has come up with. And it, it's based on our basic um, dishonesty. We invent those oaths and even come up with, in some cases, with curses uh, imposed upon ourselves before God if we lie, because basically we've learned that people can't be trusted to keep their word. And sometimes it's as simple as those uh, childlike oaths, uh, or sometimes it's as complex as uh, things like swearing to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, uh, so help you God which we uh, are required to say sometimes in a court of law. Uh, those kinds of oaths are part of, of the, the culture of biblical times as well, and they're still with us today. You know, really what we are in search of is we are in search of integrity. It was about 416 years before Christ was even born. There was a philosopher named Diogenes, and he was making himself very unwelcome in the city of Athens. He trudged around the city carrying a lantern, and while it was still daylight, he would be carrying this lantern, and his reason was that he would thrust this lantern up into someone's face, and he would say, I am looking for an honest man. <laughs> I don't know if that's the way to, to win friends, but I'm sad to report today that, that honesty is still in short supply. You know, our Savior taught us that a person's mouth speaks that which comes out of their heart. And while few Christians would even think about using, you know, strong profanity or, or lewdly vulgar words, uh, many, it seems, are unconcerned about the kind of thoughtless use of oaths uh, that, that treat the name of God with irreverence. And really, it ends up dulling or taking the edge off of our testimony to the world. See, we know that the Bible is a book from God because it takes very seriously what many of us naturally think of as baby being unimportant or even harmless. Let's look and see what Pastor James has to say. Uh, beginning in verse 7 of chapter 5, um, James writes this. He says, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and late rains. You too be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. 
Do not complain, brethren, against one another, so that yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. As an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. In verse 12, James writes this. He says, But above all, my brethren, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but your yes is to be yes and your no, no, so that you may not fall under judgment. Let's pray together. Loving Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for uh, the examples that we find in your word and, and how uh, in our conduct we, we strive to be like Christ. So Father, I pray that we would receive his instruction today. I pray, Father, that you would uh, transform our lives, that your Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth. Father, we love you. We praise you. Guide our hearts as we seek you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, this morning we come to the instruction of Pastor James to the precious people entrusted to his spiritual care. And in his instruction to a group of suffering, persecuted, first century Christians on how to conduct themselves and after urging them to be patient and then urging them not to complain but to be an example of what it means uh, to endure suffering and, and being patient, we find that James, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, makes a very big deal about what comes out of our mouths. And in addition to all that he has already said about the use of the tongue, he adds this warning in verse 12. It says, But above all, my brethren, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but your yes is to be yes and your no, no, so that you may not fall under judgment. You know, when, when a writer from the Bible says, but above all, um, that sounds pretty important to me. Sounds like maybe I need to sit up and, and pay attention to, to what comes after that. You know, a more fitting word could not be spoken to our day when fraud has become a way of life and integrity is in a lost art. You know, an oath adds nothing by someone taking an oath, it adds nothing to a liar's integrity. An oath should not be necessary to enforce a Christian's integrity. And an oath assumes that a person has control over the things that he or she doesn't possess. See, our faith requires, or rather compels us, to be honest. It requires that our word be our bond. That, that our word be our promise, our pledge, that, that it, is, it, it means something to us. See, a simple yes or no should be enough to assure a Christian's integrity. Oaths do nothing to shore up the honesty of a deceitful, dishonest person. You see, dishonesty is a trap. And sometimes we, we learn it at an early age and we might be in a tight spot and so we use dishonesty in a tight spot and it becomes a hard habit for us to break. Usually it is found out. We then lose respect and the trust of others. 
And the worst part of it is that we become separated from God. Let me read a, a little couple verses out of Isaiah that talk about this. Isaiah chapter 59, uh, verses 2, 3, and 4, it says this. It says, But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquities. Your lips have spoken falsehood. Your tongue mutters wickedness. No one sues righteously and no one pleads honestly. They trust in confusion and speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. Man, if that doesn't sound like things going on in our country today, I don't know what does. But it really speaks of how our dishonesty creates separation between us and God. You know, are there any standards may be the question. What standards are we to live by? But I want you to notice the influence of situational ethics. I mean, nothing is always right or always wrong in situational ethics. Sometimes it's acceptable and it may even be said that it would be acceptable or good to, to lie in certain cases. See, situational ethics, they may sound reasonable at first, but usually it ends up for a philosophy of anything goes. See, the assumption with situational ethics is that we can predict the future. They, they assume that, which we can't. We don't know what's going to happen in our next breath much less in the future. But listen, God can and does intervene in our lives miraculously. See, God's word presents to us moral absolutes. And in those moral absolutes, he condemns lying. I mean, it made the top 10 list. We call it the 10 commandments. We take God at his word and we believe what he says. We believe that these moral absolutes are so important that we had it inscribed on stone, red granite, and put out in the entrance of our campus, letting the whole world know how we desire to live. See, notice what we're talking about here is radical truthfulness. James says honesty and integrity should define us as believers. We should say what we mean, and we should mean what we say. See, everything we say should be truthful. We don't need to back it up. See, backing it up shows that something is wrong. When we say things like, well, <laughs> let me be honest with you. It sounds like I haven't been honest up to this point. Honesty doesn't need to be backed up. I mean, does placing your hand on the Bible in a court uh, make a difference? I mean, all it really shows is that obviously a lot of people are lying. But you know, oaths have been around a long time. They have a long heritage. You know, we, we come up with this, you know, do you solemnly swear? You know, there are many examples in the Old Testament in which oaths in the Lord's name were commanded. I mean, you think about Deuteronomy 6, verse 13. You know, 
they're given as a way of testifying that God is worshipped. I mean, God himself has taken oaths. He has said, as the Lord, I swear this will happen. He's, he's, he's taken the oath on his own name. You find that in Numbers 14, uh, verse 21, and then also in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 4, verse 31. Now we understand that not keeping vows, if you make a vow, if you make an oath, if you don't keep that, then that's bad. But also making reckless and thoughtless vows are bad. I mean, in Jesus' day, vows were abused by the minutiae. You know, we talk about the devil is in the details, and they would, they would use a technicality so that they wouldn't have to keep their word. And sometimes they would, they would omit God's name from the vow, from the oath, um, to mean that it would be okay to break that vow because I didn't use God's name. And so what James is saying here is he's saying, don't, don't make oaths using all of these different things. See, the people in Jesus's culture, they knew that the careless taking of oaths was a very evil and irreverent thing to do. If you just, just took oaths for, for no big deal and, and, and just blew past them and didn't honor them, it was just like the same it was as bad as taking the Lord's name in vain. And, uh, and so in order to make promises to each other that they had no intention whatsoever of keeping, as many people do today, they began swearing by oaths that were based on things related to the Lord, but in an in a indirect way. So... They didn't want to use the Lord's name, so they would say, I'm going to swear on the altar, or I'm going to swear on the temple, or I'm going to swear on the offering. But they wouldn't swear by God's name because they had an intention of breaking that oath. In doing this, they didn't feel so bound to keep their oath, and it might have been considered like a, you know, <laughs> oath light. <laughs> you know, like the, the diet version of it, um, the, the one that's been gutted, uh, you know, the, the, the version, I mean, we might call it like oath, oath zero, you know, because I'm not going to keep it. But um, by doing this, they were essentially using the things of God as a means of disguising a lie. And they were missing the whole point of God's command not to swear falsely and to profane the name of the Lord by taking it in vain. So it isn't the matter of swearing by oaths altogether that James is concerned about, but rather the matter of swearing by oaths in a vain way. I mean, Jesus taught. He taught that we should always be truthful, that oaths should not be backed up by gold or by the temple because God is behind everything. I mean, let's look at Matthew Chapter 5, this is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And this is what Jesus taught. He said, again, you have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not make false vows, but you shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, make no oath at all, either by heaven or, 
either by heaven, for it is the, the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond these is of evil. And then over in Matthew 23, verse 16, another discourse that, that Jesus gave, he was teaching, and he said this, he said, Woe to you, blind guides, who say, Whoever swears by the temple, that is nothing, but whoever swears by the gold of the temple is obligated. You fools and blind men, which is more important, the gold or the temple that sanctified the gold? And whoever swears by the altar, well, that is nothing, but whoever swears by the offering on it, he is obligated. You blind men, which is more important, the offering or the altar that sanctifies the offering? Therefore, whoever swears by the altar swears by both the altar and everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears by both the temple and by him who dwells within it. And whoever swears by heaven swears both by the throne of God and by him who sits on it. And so Jesus was saying, let your, your yea be yea and your nay be nay. Do not swear by anything because God is behind it all. And James, James agrees with Jesus. It sounds a whole lot like the Sermon on the Mount. Yes should mean yes without embellishments. And I would say that oaths are unnecessary. What I'm saying is Christians should be different. See, commitment to honesty... Commitment to honesty makes genuine Christians stand out. Immanuel Kant, one of the greatest thinkers of the 1700s, if not of all time, his father was a very godly man. And at an old age, his father went on a dangerous journey through the forests of Poland into his home country of Silesia. And on the way, he ran into a band of robbers who demanded all of his valuables. And finally, they asked him, they said, have you given us everything? And he answered, everything. And they had all his money. They had his horse. They even had his prayer book. And then they let him go. When he was safely out of their sight, his hand touched something hard in the hem of his, of his robe. It was his gold. He had sewn it there for safety and had completely forgotten about it because he was so afraid and, and confused by the whole matter. So immediately he hurried back to the robbers and he said to them, he said, I have told you something that was not true. I didn't mean to. I was too terrified to think straight. Here is the gold that was hidden in my clothes. To his complete amazement, no one offered to take his gold. After a long silence, one went and brought back his money bag. Another got his horse and helped him up on it, and they gave him back his prayer book. Lastly, they then begged him to say a blessing on them before they would let him go. I think that's an amazing story. Because as Christians, when we stand for honesty, we will stand out among others. See, we are honest because it is right. Not because it pays or because it works 
but we are honest because it's the right thing to do. You know, when Alexander Solzhenitsyn concluded his Nobel lecture on literature, he closed by quoting a Russian proverb. He said, one word of truth outweighs the whole world. I mean, what a statement. The motivation, our motivation for honesty is that God expects it. It's part of his character. It's who he is. Titus 1, verses 1 and 2 talk about that. You see, God is truth. And Satan is a liar. And he's the father of lies. Christians must be people of truth. Let me quickly give you some implications of honesty. I would say to you this morning that honesty is very important. I mean, Jesus says in Matthew 12 that, that we're going to be judged for every word that we speak, for everything that we do. Each word, each action matters. And our words reveal the condition of our heart. So I challenge you this morning to mean what you say. Don't let these become empty words. Words like, I promise. Don't let that become an empty word. If you tell your spouse something, then follow through. If you tell your children something, then follow through. If you use that word, those words, I promise, then make sure that you follow through on your promises. Don't let this become an empty phrase. I'll pay you back tomorrow. A lot of people say that. They never, tomorrow never comes. Or how about this one? I'll call you back. If you tell somebody you're going to call them back, then call them back. Or it's finished and it's sitting on my desk. I mean, don't let those idle words come out of your mouth. Or, or here's, a, here's a famous one. The check is in the mail. Here's one that's famous among Christians. I'll be praying for you. Don't let these become empty words, folks. Or how about this one? Trust me. Trust me. See, we need to, we need to know that honesty is important. When I say that, I'm talking about no exaggeration or deception. Try to avoid spin on things. I mean, while it may be popular with government officials and television to put a spin on things and to make someone look good or, and calling it the truth, it is anything but the truth, and it's one-sided and very self-serving, and most people see right through it. See, what we may not want to say is just as important. So don't embellish the truth and don't embellish yourself. No exaggeration, no deceit. Another part of this is do not wrong others. And what I mean by that is cutting them down. If you are cutting someone down either online or when they're not around, that's a form of dishonesty. 
And false testimony is a sin. It says, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. That's the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not lie. Bearing false witness, bearing false testimony is a sin. Tact, however, is not a sin. We can be honest, but we must be loving. We must be loving. Speak the truth in love. And I would say this morning, to be honest in every area of life. To live with honesty. I mean, honesty within your family. Honesty among your friends. I mean, keep your marriage vows. This is, this is huge. Not just when your wedding band is on your finger or, or when your spouse is around. But keep to your ma- marriage vows all the time, every day, all day. Not just when someone else is around. You see, in speaking of depravity that is common to humanity, the Apostle Paul, he says in Romans 3.13, he says, with their tongues they keep deceiving. You know, you don't have to teach a child to lie. You do not have to teach a child to lie. Rather, you have to teach a child to tell the truth, especially when it's not in their advantage to do so. But here's what's even more important, is to be an example of honesty in front of your children. See, when we talk about be honest in every area of your life, our children, those who come after us, those whom we disciple, are watching our lives and our actions are speaking way louder than what we are saying. And so be that example of honesty in every area of your life. I mean, we talk about, even in worship, we talk about we want to worship God in spirit and in truth. That's being honest in our worship. That's, that's not going through the motions. It, it's, it's being honest um, in, in our worship of God. He is a spirit, and he looks for those who worship him in spirit and in truth. See, I believe that if we admit our errors to our, those closest to us, those around us, that we will be able to speak plainly and stand by our words. I want to carry this a step further and talk about we ought to be honest in our business, in the way we do business. You know, offering to pay someone who is unemployed, maybe off the books or under the table, is not being honest in your business. And it's not telling that person that you are a person of honesty. See, business may be cutthroat, but that's no excuse for us as believers to compromise. We're called to be honest. But understand this, being honest can cost you. Don't be honest just when it benefits you. Because sometimes it may cost you to be honest. But build a reputation of honesty and it will serve you. See, your reputation beats you home, so lead with your deeds. But understand this, if you take a stand for honesty, God honors our honesty. 
Lastly, I would say this. We need to be honest with God. I mean, have you come clean with Him? Do you have secrets that you feel like you're holding from God? I mean, have we faced up to the the facts about how we are serving Him? See, truth cannot be this thin veneer. It must come from the inside out. And God desires truth, truthfulness in our innermost being. I close with Psalm 51, verse 6. It says, Behold, you, God, desire truth in the innermost being, and the hidden part, and excuse me, and in the hidden part, you, God, will make me to know wisdom. See, our conversion experience, our salvation, our commitment to Jesus Christ should break the cycle of dishonesty. We need to understand this, brothers and sisters. We can't do it on our own. We need God's help. So I challenge you this morning to do everything that you can in your life, in every area of your life, to become a person of integrity. To be an honest person. A person who champions the truth but you're going to need God's help to do it.